It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck. This is the show where we recap the Preds, talk about hockey, and we are in the middle of Jewel. We are no longer in June. We are in Jewel. We're getting ready for AUG. And I, thought, it, I thought they made Jewels illegal or something. What happened? They did make Jewels illegal. We are in oh, July. July. Oh. We're in mid-July. And... This is normally the time of year where free agency is kind of done and we're just kind of getting ready for the hibernation until hockey season actually begins. And we are in that, but this particular week for free agency was, shall we say, a little slow? Well, depending on if you're talking about the Preds or not, yeah, it was definitely slow for the Preds, but man, some of the other teams got active. Yeah, some other teams got very active. I think Detroit gave everyone a contract. Mm-hmm. Columbus did a lot of interesting things. Yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh did some interesting things. I mean, they re-signed Geno Malkin, and then they go get Jeff Petrie from Montreal. But for the Preds, they really did not do much. Um, uh, I, I think there's there's been a whole lot of smoke and just no fire in terms of some of the ideas that were out there about who they could sign you know would they go after phil kessel apparently not i mean he's not signed anywhere but it doesn't seem like that's gonna happen um uh there, there's been a lot a lot of signings that like i don't think anyone expected the preds to go after but like you know they didn't even really make a noise there um uh, but they did do so, a few things um and we're going to talk about some of those signings we're also going to talk about dev camp which has been the, this past week so development camp with the prospects. Um, I went to a couple things. Sean went to a couple things. We'll talk about that um, a little bit later on. But let's go ahead and dive into these pred signings. Mm. Get ready for <laughs> excitement. So obviously the Predators have to fill out their Milwaukee Admirals roster too. And so the, a lot of these moves are that. Um, but there's a couple ones that stand out as decidedly not about the Milwaukee Admirals that are very underwhelming and straight up confusing. Um, so like the, the, the first three that came down, Roland McCown, Jordan Gross, Kevin Gravel, I guess it's Gravel, uh, three, three defensemen. Uh, the, the Predators lost some defensemen. Uh, uh, the, sorry, the Admirals lost some defensemen. So those guys are going to go down there. Two-way contracts that are just going to sit in Milwaukee. Uh, but then they signed three forwards. One is Cole Smith, who didn't accept his qualifying offer, but I guess they gave him a different offer. I don't know what happened there, but either way, he's back. Um, Mark Jankowski, former first-round pick, and Kiefer Sherwood. Kiefer, don't call me Sutherland, Sherwood. Yeah, and that's uh, that one's the one that sticks out to me there. Yeah. Um, that is a one-way contract. Yes, so Kiefer Sherwood is signed to a one-way contract. This is a guy that did not have a lot 
I mean, does, does, does not have a lot of experience, but it does have some experience. Um, but it seems like, it seems like he's going to be up on the roster. I mean, he's going to be playing cause he's got, he's got a contract that pays him $750,000 at the NHL and AHL level. Why would you bury that at the AHL level? Um, when you don't have to <laughs> uh, yeah. at all, <laughs> you don't just have to pay someone $750,000 to go play in uh, the AHL. So they did that, and so I think Kiefer Sutherland, Kiefer Sherwood, is going to end up playing for the um, National Predators next year. I don't know how much. Is he a stopgap in case, like, one? You know, there's, there's, there's some, there's some thoughts here, but I, I think p- possibly he's a stopgap, and t- if they can get a deal done, if they don't get a deal yeah. done, maybe Kiefer Sherwood doesn't even come to Nashville because they cut him way, way before. Like, this is, this is a a back end sort of like the backstop in case this other deal that they're working on doesn't get done, but they still needed to get him. And maybe they really like this guy for some reason. Um, You know, it seems like a lot of these, a lot of these signings, even if you, if you're looking at them in the vein of these are AHL signings or things like that. I mean, even, even Sherwood, a lot of these guys have performed very well at the AHL level. They're not, uh, guys that have been in the AHL doing nothing. You know, the Preds seem to have an eye for, you know, hey, here's some guys that have kind of been stuck in the AHL for a while, um, but they've got good numbers. They've they've been like the best defenseman for the last year or the highest scorer for the last year, things like that. So it, it's not like these are just odd. Nobody can explain it. Some of these guys have, have done some good stuff at the AHL level. And I think if you look back, you know, um, the Preds bringing in, uh, what was that guy's name? I can, Daniel Carr. I mean, he was, yeah, wasn't right, he Daniel like the Carr. highest, he was the highest score in the AHL one year and the, the Preds brought yes. him up and he was, you know, underwhelming, I'll say, mm-hmm. uh, at the, at the NHL level. So it was worth a shot. And so I think, I think Sherwood, was he, is he the one that was the, did he have the most goals or something like that in the AHL? I feel like he was a, uh, I'm looking him up now. I, I don't. That doesn't sound right. But uh, well, well maybe, maybe he scored 36 goals for the in the for the Colorado Eagles last year. Maybe maybe that is maybe he is. I, I mean, yeah, I think he sounds like a pretty good pretty good guy for the age level. It looks like he had 36. The leader had 48. He was um, fifth in the league in points last season. So okay, fifth, yeah, fifth in the league in yeah. points. That's not bad. Yeah, you're right. That's a good that's a good comparison. The Daniel Carr, but. The, specifically the Daniel Carr thing, LaViolette was just a big fan of Daniel Carr and like follow, he's played, played with him a few times. Um, keep maybe key for Sherwood is John Hines. Maybe <laughs> spirit animal or something. Maybe that's the case. Um, so, it, but anyways, that guy's going to play. I mean, like assuming, assuming they don't make another sign. Cause right now it's right. Luke Cunning right. out and key for Sherwood in. So yeah. that's what you're looking at. And then Nick Cousins doesn't have a replacement yet. There's still an empty spot there. Is that going to be taken by someone like Igor Afanasyev or Yuso Parsonen or Luke Evangelista or some other person we don't know on the roster yet or jo- John Leonard, that guy that they traded for, kind of an in-between AHL, NHL guy. Um, so, yeah, it's it's odd. Right now there's, there's just – there has not been a replacement for the two the two big wingers that they lost, Luke Cunning and Nick Cousins. There's not been a big replacement for them yet. Kiefer Sherwood's probably the main one. Don't don't forget Zach Sanford. Oh yes, okay. So it, we, we do need to touch on that too. So Zach Sanford, they just uh, 
acquired yesterday, a couple days ago. So, yeah, Jankowski, Sherwood, Cole Smith, and Zach Sanford. So, Zach Sanford, thank you for reminding me. I forgot about that guy. So, Zach Sanford actually might be a more legit replacement. He had a very strange year last year. They, so, they signed him to a uh, a one-year deal, eight fifty, I think. It's, you know, it's less than a million. But I could see, yeah, I could see Zach Sanford playing. What do you, what would you say Zach Sanford is best known for? I think he's a pretty physical guy. Um, uh, let me see how tall, how big he is. Uh, if I remember correctly, I know he came over in the uh, trade with uh, St. Louis between St. Louis and Washington um, to get. Well, he's he's a Stanley Cup winner. I mean, he has Stanley yep. Cup winning experience with the Blues. I would yeah, say the best thing he's known for is uh, throwing up in the parade. <laughs> oh, I didn't know he did that. All over himself. Oh, is that what he's known just, for? It's on video. Yeah, St- Stanley Cup winner with the, the Blues in 2019. He came over in the trade with Washington that sent them, uh, what's his name, Shattenkirk. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see here. He's, he's strong defensively. I think he'll be a solid you know, solid fourth liner. That's six it's four not a bad two signing at all. It, it he six, fits the mold. Um, yeah. The all important stat of that. inches above six feet. He's got a plus four. So yeah, he's plus um, four in that area. And yeah, okay. Now that I'm, now I'm thinking about it, and and remembering that Zach Sanford happened. That's all right. Took me. I, I think he's probably definitely a replacement, and I guess Keeper sure was the other guy. But again, I think both of these guys are not. Um, they're not really replacements. They're just like they're they're just kind of filler, right? I mean, yeah. un- unless they really think Zach Sanford is just ready to bust out. He's 27 years old. I mean, I guess that's possible. He had a, so he had a very strange year last year to close that loop. I was just going to mention that he signed with St. Louis and then got traded before the season to Ottawa, uh, and then Ottawa trades him to Winnipeg. So he was in three different cities in a year uh, last year, three different teams, um, all under a $2 million. They signed him to a $2 million contract. I'm not really sure why they did that, if they were going to trade him. I don't know the details of why that happened. but So kind of a strange year. Maybe he finds home in Nashville. He's from Salem, Massachusetts. Have you ever been to Salem, Massachusetts? Uh, no, I have not. I've been to Massachusetts, but – we focused on other areas of Massachusetts as opposed to Salem, Massachusetts. Salem is cool. I've, I've been there. I, I, I would recommend a visit. It's kind of a, it's a very unique town. Obviously well, is it known for anything? Yeah, it is known for a few things. <laughs> oh. <laughs> throwing on itself, throwing up on itself in a parade. That's what it's known for. Hey, hey, could be worse. <laughs> uh, anyways, if you ever get a chance to go to Salem, maybe uh, we can ask Zach about about living and growing up in Salem. It's a cool, it's a cool city. If you ever get a chance to go, uh, that, like that far, it's a nice little ferry ride from from Boston. Um, yeah. Anyways, okay. So, I mean, the, these signings at the very least are underwhelming, and then we come to the most confusing signing: the Predators sign a goaltender, mm, not yeah, just any that's... goaltender. One of the worst goaltenders from last year on one of the worst teams, and they signed him to a one and a half million dollar one way contract. Kevin Lankinen. What did you think? I, of this? So this is a thing that's really puzzled me, and and I don't mean like 
you know, I, I mean, yeah, the fact that, like you said, he's doesn't have the best numbers and didn't come from the best team and things like that. But what's puzzling to me is that it appears as though the Predators currently have three goalies on their NHL roster. Yeah. Um, now, that being said, I think that means that my brain is telling me that the Predators would be moving forward or would have been moving forward with UC Soros as the starter and uh, Connor Ingram as the backup. Yeah. Um, but now you throw Kevin Lankinen into the mix and that kind of throws all that into question. And that's they where... Are, they are 100% not going to start the season with three goalies. We know that. So right. one of those one of those three is going. Where are they going? Is 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 Connor Ingram going to Milwaukee? Uh, which would be an odd choice considering that Askarov, as we saw, looks very good and right. seems to be seems seems to be in a place. At, okay, so the other thing, Connor Ingram is not waivers exempt. He cannot right. freely moved up and down. So Connor Ingram is either staying in Nashville. Or getting traded, right. or just getting straight up cut, and then probably claimed by another team. Could he start the season in Milwaukee? Not currently. Is- he would have to pass waivers. He he's currently on the roster, NHL roster. He would have to he would have to mm. clear waivers, a la Rim Pitlick from last year. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. See, so, that's that's that's, that's, that's something's going on. Could have a very simple explanation or a very complex situation. One. Very simple explanation is that for whatever reason they want they they want to part ways with Ingram. I mean that's that seems to anybody who's followed the team that seems like an odd choice after as much faith of they as they've put in him, yeah. um, especially the support they've given him. It would seem weird that they would be willing to cut ties with someone who's been very promising. Now, you know you're going to look at the majority mm-hmm. of his performance and say, well, he came in after uh, Riddick was lit up in the in mm-hmm. the first game of the playoffs and didn't manage to pull off a win. But goodness gracious, look at who the team was playing. They were playing the eventual Stanley Cup champions, Colorado Avalanche. So it seems that's not a really fair uh, body of work on which to judge someone. So, yeah. I, and I also think like I, I do, I mean, the, the the combine the the perception of Ingram right now and the position the the organizational position that they are in with Ingram combine that with signing just adding another layer of just needless complexity to the to it by signing Kevin Lankinen there there right. just has to be something else going on it doesn't make any sense why you would why you would have three goalies at the NHL level that you cannot move down to the white to the minors when you know you're only going to start the season with two, maybe what they're going to do is bring Lincoln in and have, have Lincoln and Ingram battle it out with the idea that they're just going to cut one of them before the season starts. Okay. I guess that's, that's fine. Why did you need to, why do you need to, to spend the money to even get that done? Like why, why, why even like commit yourself to that? Um, Because the money's guaranteed. So it's like, I I don't really get it. I, I don't really understand why, you add Lankin into that mix. Just have Connor Ingram battle it out with, I don't know, Askarov or Devin Cooley. I mean, like I, he's probably going to win that battle, but why are they why are they spending money on this? It doesn't make any sense. Unless 
there's there's the other possible explanation and that of course is that and maybe this is a you know worst case scenario but maybe there's somebody they're going after that would produce offense that they think they're going to need to be able to trade a goalie in order to get um and if that's the case are they planning on trading connor ingram you know, maybe in a package with somebody else in order to bring in someone else that they want on the team. Um, the idea, the idea of trading Connor Ingram w- could, is definitely on the table. Um, I just think his value. I mean, what even is it, what even is his value? The Predators acquired him for a seventh round pick. Have they upgraded right. him beyond that? Like, is he is he worth more like a fourth round pick, third, fifth round pick level? In which case, like, there's no there's no player in the NHL they could acquire that would necessitate signing Kevin Lankinen over him. You know, I guess what I'm saying is it would have to be a package deal. It would be like Connor Ingram and Dante Fabro and a pick for Patrick Laine. <laughs> Someone. We'll keep I, going I, back there, don't we? Whoever uh, it is. Uh, mm. So – uh, yeah, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. There has to be something else going on sometime over the next few weeks. Maybe we'll find out. Well, I mean, it, is is there a possibility that they're not sure Saros is going to be ready at the beginning of the season? You know, I, I, I heard some people saying that. I would I would think not. I mean, he was, he was already skating. If it was like a bone right. injury and they were waiting on to heal and we didn't know that yet. But he was already yeah. skating at the end of the, uh, you know, he's already on the ice and skating and stuff i i feel like he's probably going to be fine i mean he, he certainly those injuries take time to heal um so he will have been out for by the time the season starts it'll be six months it'll be like five yeah. or six months over five months yeah yeah i mean that that seems a little bit far-fetched to think that that may be the reason yeah the, the original so. like kind of a diagnosis of a high ankle sprain and, and the timelines for the recovery for that was like Eight to 12 weeks was like kind of the average. And then like sometimes it took up to 20 weeks, which would be five months. Right. But like very rarely did it take for hockey players. Very rarely did it take longer than that. So something else is going on. I don't think, I think we can rule that out. So you're looking at either some kind of, some kind of trade situation involving someone We're we're assuming, we're assuming (laughs) it would be Ingram because why would you sign a guy that anyone else could have signed? Um, Yeah. And at the same time, you know, you have to you have to assume, too, that uh, if they were just kind of done with Ingram, that if they know they could wait, they can't waive him without um, or they can't send him down without waiving him. They know someone else can claim him. Then he has value and then they would want to get something for him. Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of stuck between those two possibilities. But. Like you said, we're about to go into the uh, into the dead period. So right. unless something happens soon, we won't know until closer to time. So is David Poyle going to spend to the cap? The team has about $9 million to work with here. Are they going to spend to the cap or are they not? We will talk about that in a second. But before we do, relax the back, Sean. Oh, hashtag ooh, yeah. we got your back, Nashville. If you want to work better, live better, feel better every day, you've got to go to Relax the Back. We talk about it every week on this show. Um, if you sleep well, you will live well. And they have a ton of options for 
customized comfort when you sleep, work, or just relax at home. Uh, Sean's been to the store. I've been to the store. I've got to go back and uh, see about getting a new pillow because my pillow is not working. I know they've got some good pillows there, like the Technogel stuff. Technogel is awesome. It's like this really advanced Technogel type stuff, and you uh, you <laughs> you sleep on it, and it's much better than like uh, you know memory foam or all that kind of stuff. It's awesome. Check it out. 2020 Glen Echo Road in Green Hills. Go over there, grab a, grab a shake from Shake Shack, and then head over to Relax the Back and see. Hey, that rhymes. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> learn about the four pillars of wellness. Healthy sleep, healthy work, healthy body, and healthy mind. So David Poyle has often said that he had, or he said recently that he had no budgetary restrictions on spending money. He said that at the end of the year last year. The Preds have spent to the cap last few years, including last year. They were one of the only teams. Um, well, they, they didn't exactly spend to the cap. They they got they got close. But I digress. I think the 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 expectation is that there is not a money crunch for David Poyle. He has he can sign he can he can spend whatever he wants. But right. he has not done that. He has not done that so far. Nine million dollars no. left, and. Um, but there's nothing really to buy. What are you what are you buying at this point? Well, I think the biggest thing, you know, a lot of these names that were bandied about before uh, the actual floodgates opened um, have gone for much bigger contracts. And I think a lot of a lot of people were expecting, you know, the market seems to be uh, seems to be a player's market. You know, they mm -hmm. are they're getting the money. Um they're getting great money, especially when you have a cap that's been kind of frozen. So it's it's really interesting that a lot of the names that you heard people talking about, oh, the, it would be great for the Predators to get this player or that player. And now you're thinking you could have gotten them for, you know, three and a half, four million dollars. They're going for five, five and a half, six million dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's uh that's that's pretty insane when you're looking at okay, we've got uh nine million dollars to work with. Still have to sign uh Trennan, I think will I'm not going to say be a substantial contract, but it's, it's going to take at least a million of that nine. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to resign him. So you, you have to assume whoever you're getting is going to have to come at a bargain price. Um, and so if you look at what Poyle said a couple of days ago about, you know, if you start signing guys to longer term contracts next season, some hard decisions are going to have to be made. Um, you know, I, I think, you're going to have to find somebody who's willing to sign a one-year deal, um, maybe for a little bit more money, just to make it worth their mm -hmm. while. Um, you know, you could potentially see someone like Phil Kessel, yeah, come to Nashville. Um, he's coming off of a big contract, and he kind of had an underperforming season in Arizona. Of course, Arizona is an underperforming team, so can't necessarily judge him off of that although he did have the chance to distinguish himself amongst his peers um but you might be able to get a, a better deal with him because he did come off a pretty rough season but he may want more term and so you may have to pay a little bit more to get him for a shorter term but that would fit into the budgetary constraints of the team um but here's some here's some names that that David Poyle did not go after or that did not sign that they signed with other teams that were maybe, maybe, maybe could have been mentioned or at least fit the bill for like what he needed. He, he needs to get a, a winger uh, that can provide scoring depth. 
David Perron, $4.75 million a year, two-year deal. Burakovsky, who we mentioned before, $5.5 million. Um, Mason Marchment, who uh, I had forgotten was even available, $4.5 million a year for Dallas. That's a pretty good signing for Dallas. Good, good yeah. winger there. Um, uh, there was no, uh, Andrew Kopp. Andrew Kopp, $5.6 million for uh, Detroit. Detroit signed Perron and Kopp. So those are all like – you know, in my mind, when I was thinking about what David needed to spend on wingers to replace guys, it was like around five or six million. And all those guys, five or six million. Maybe those players just really wanted to go to Detroit. Maybe Burakovsky really loves Seattle. And so that's why he went there. But seems to me like if, if those players wanted to, I mean, Nashville is more competitive than Detroit and Seattle right now. I think we can agree on that. And yet yeah. players went to Detroit and Seattle. So, um, except Marchman with Dallas, which I think is probably a good fit for him. Um, I don't know. It, I, I feel like, you know, if he's going to spend, if David Poyle is really going to spend to the cap, is he going to go get like eight $1 million players? That doesn't make any sense. Sounds like kind of, no. that's the idea though. Uh, just, yeah, it <laughs> seems like he's, he's got all his money in his pocket. He can't bet any, he has nothing to buy now. Would you rather sign eight one million dollar players or one eight million dollar player? I think this like team needs whole... <laughs> this team needs a, an eight million dollar player that can play like an eight million dollar player in the top six or the top nine that can make a really big difference on offense. Yeah, Phil that's... Kessel could be that guy. He's not going to cost eight million. He'll be less than that. No, yeah, and but I think there's still there's still other players available. Did is is uh, Milano still out there, or did he end up signing? Yeah, Sonny Milano is available. Uh, but since they signed Sherwood, I feel like that that's the kind of value. And Milano Milano is, like, is much better than Sherwood. But um, since they signed Sherwood and and Zach Sanford, I bet they're not going to go after a, a Sonny Milano type like level player. But um, I don't know. There's there seems to be. Another plan that we just don't, we are not privy to. Um, usually what happens is at, at some point there will be a sort of closing press conference from David Poyle where he kind of is saying like, okay, right. we're done with our major shopping. Yep. We have not heard anything about that. So presumably they're still at work. I also, I, I read somewhere and, you know, I know you can't trust everything you read, but that Nashville is apparently in on the Kedry talks too. And I think, you know, if you're looking at oh, uh, Kadri, Kadri. Kadri, Kadri. Um, yeah. if you're if you're looking at, OK, so they're in on those talks. He's going to cost a pretty penny that the Preds don't really have. He's going to take term, which the Preds don't really want to give out. How are yeah. they in on those talks? There's only one answer um, to that question. You know what that is? What? They're trying to trade somebody. They're trying to oh. offload a big contract. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I, a lot of people seem to think that they're gonna—they're trying to trade Dante Fabro or something. I—I I don't really see that, but I—I I feel like their defense is probably just since they made that upgrade with McDonough, they're done. But yeah. then again, they went and signed a goalie, and I didn't think they'd do that either. So somehow, I think we'll find out more in the next couple weeks. Um, before we uh, before we conclude, I did want to just talk about Dev Camp really quick. Um, we, I know you and I were at, uh, and many others were at the prospect showcase. Um, I thought it was really good. I mean, I, th th this was one of the best talent 
this is one of the best groups of talent they've had at Dev Camp Week. Not not the not the all time best or anything, but very very good. I mean, a lot of really solid players, and even some of the you know non prospects in there, the guys that are just invites to to fill out the rosters. Even them, even they shined. I mean, like there were some there were some really interesting play from from those guys. Uh, what what stood out to you about? about the uh, prospect showcase that we saw. So I think, I think one of the more, you know, surprising things to me was uh, there was a group of forwards that, that were working together that I was really excited to see. And it seemed like um, I kept switching spaces to try to get a better shot at them being um, forwards, but I, I really didn't get to see that. And that was to see uh, what? Uh, go ahead. Who, who was the line? It, it was uh Parsonen with LaRue and uh, Kimmel. Um, there you go. That, that is, was the line. That is interesting. It's a line I wanted to see. And I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, Eric Dune, who we've had on the show um, very recently to talk about the draft, is very, very high on Yuso Parsonen. And I can, yes. I can tell you, um, after seeing him in person, I understand why. You know, I think he made the comment that he felt that Parsonen, out of all of the other kids at development camp probably had the best shot of playing a significant time on the NHL roster this season. And I, I can see why. Yeah. Um, very impressive skater, um, very offensively minded, but, but also very just sound all around. So um, very fit, like physical plays his size. Well, yeah. And kind of I mean, he, he's gotten, if you go back and look at his draft picture, he just looks like a, a wisp of a boy, but, He's, he's grown into his body very well, and he seems very comfortable in it. Um, mm -hmm. The other the other player that I you know I wasn't going to camp. I'm going to look specifically at this player, but um, Adam Ingram, who is someone that you know I didn't see coming on the on the draft at all. Um, much much taller than I really thought he was going to be, but plays very comfortably in his height. If that makes sense, he's not a big bulky player to be as tall as he is, but he skates like he's very confident in his size. Um, back on Yuso Parson really quick. He, he, to me, he looks the part. Like there's some guys you see uh, in that setting and you're like, I can see the, the player inside that needs to be molded. And then some of them you're like, uh, I don't think you're going to make the roster. But the the <laughs> ones that stand out to, to, to you are like, the guys that look like they belong on the NHL roster right now, and and they right. they just look apart. And Yusuf Parson looks like that. He's just very confident. He's got his his the physical side of his game. I think is is definitely there to be able to play at the NHL level. I guess the only question would be speed. I mean, I, I don't think he's like a burner or anything, but I, I don't think it's going to be an issue the way he plays. Um, no, very smart. Ingram, yeah, I did like what I see. I think Ingram's the example for me. It's like I could definitely see what they like in this guy. I think he's yeah. it's going to take a while for him to get there. Um, I would feel the same way about Cole O'Hara. I tell you what, I've never seen a younger looking eighteen year old than Cole O'Hara. <laughs> yeah, I kid you not. I was like, we need to check this kid's ID. I think this kid might be eleven years old. Did you think he looked you that got young? He looks extremely young, Sean. Everyone was commenting on it. Like <laughs> Kayla, Kayla Anderson turned to me and said, he is a baby. 
He, I mean, he really is. He, he's, he's a very nice guy. I mean, like we, we talked to him after the, the prospect game. Um, he's got, now I will say this. He's got, he's got man hair for sure. Like his hair is definitely on point veteran level hair, but just very, very rookie. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty interesting, but anyways, uh, the other guy that I want to two other guys I want to talk about Luke Evangelista. Um, I think he's kind of the star of the dev camp right now. Although yeah. Yaroslav Askarov would give him a run for that because Askarov, I bet if you polled the fans that were in attendance of that game, who was their favorite to watch? I bet Askarov is up there. Yep, he's got to be, uh, and that's. I, I think he, he really he really shined a couple of times, and it was one yeah. was in the in the second half of the game. Um, Kimmel had a penalty shot and uh, was coming in pretty hot, and and he he came out came out of the crease, ended up you know probably I'd say it was a trip. Um, but yeah, he wasn't I, afraid to come out there and cause chaos. If you've played, if you've played any NHL video games, it's like when you accidentally select the goalie and then you press the cross check button or the you know the check button, and he does the the, the poke check out of the crease. That's what it looked like, but he made the stop, and it, yeah, it was definitely probably a trip. And Kimmel went into the net. I mean, he didn't look yeah. like he got hurt or anything, but yeah, was, I was wondering uh, about that. I was like, I wonder if the coaches said anything. So I was like, he could have hurt that guy. Could. You heard him. Yeah, it was it was pretty and they intense. Had, and they apparently had Kimmel's contract there on yeah. hand. Like they they had his contract in hand, ready for him to yep. sign his three level entry level three year entry level contract after the game. They posted pictures of that yeah. too. So I wonder if they would have if he got injured. I wonder if that contract would have gotten signed yet. I, you know that's that's a great question, and uh, I <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty rough. Anyways, As- Askarov, aside from almost injuring his own player, Askarov looks amazing. I mean, it's, he is an incredible specimen, like 19 years old, and he looks like he does in the net. It is astonishing. Like, yeah, that dude is the real deal. He's going to be good. Um, you know, you never know how guys can develop. I mean, I, I'm sure there's parts of his game that could, can be dissected. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, like, specifically one – error with his game right now i mean i'm not saying he's flawless i'm saying like i can't see it myself i haven't seen him enough but uh he just looks kind of like a freak right i mean he's just like yeah. he's he's big he's quick he's agile he makes decisions he's like fun to watch he looks very confident in the net i mean yeah he's gonna be a good one i'm i'm very excited to see him continue developing um and i i think you'll see him you know, usually they say it takes goalies longer to develop and all these things, but like you said, he's, um, I think he, he just turned 20. I think he's been, he's a, a new, a freshly minted 20 year old. And he, he yeah. looks like he's been doing this at the level he's doing it at for a lot longer. Very confident, mm-hmm. I guess I'd say. Um, yeah. you don't, you don't usually see that in kids that just turned 20. Now there was another goalie, goalie prospect that you were a big fan of Sean. Yeah, yeah, I'm you know, I'm not gonna lie. Um, the and I think he was, I think he was an invite. I don't think he was, he's in the system. Um, right. what was his first name? I can't remember his first name, but his his last name was Charlo or Charlo or something like that. Charlo, yep. he uh, right. I saw him on Tuesday in camp and he he looked good, he was stopping everything he saw, mm-hmm. and then he came in and played uh, the first half of development camp game and, and did a really good job there um we had a really good view of him for that half of the game 
Um, I think you were impressed too. I mean, you got to admit for a guy coming in, not in the system, being an invitee and just someone who was there, you know, not on a contract, not in the system. Um, he played, played like he wanted a contract. Um, there's been a lot. There's been, sure. there's always, there's always some pro- camp invitees that stand out. Um, yeah. There's not usually a lot of them. But there's usually at least one or two that stand out. I mean, I want to say Cole Smith was originally a, uh, just a, a, a an invitee that got it, that got kind of got stuck on the roster. Maybe I could be wrong on that, but um, and there's some that that become sort of like these, you know, urban legends. Uh, you know, yeah. there are guys that like, oh, he's going to get a contract, and then he never does. Uh, so, like one guy that stood out was Matt, Matt Barbellini. He's like, he, he he scored a couple goals, and uh, yeah, he he stands. I mean, he's he's not a he's not a legitimate prospect or anything. But what else did he uh, do, Alex? Broke the glass. Ooh, how do you do that? Ripped a ripped a wrister. I think I blame the glass quality on that one, but um. I mean, not that he. I just. I feel like maybe he hit the, the pane of glass that was ready to go. <laughs> You're probably right. It was at Centennial, so yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm so, sure it's seen its fair share of action. Uh, so yeah. Um, I thought Will Adam Willsby also looked pretty good out there. Um, I did like Cola Nummy. You know, he did a couple of good things. Luke Prokop looks pretty good. Uh, I already mentioned Cole O'Hara. I think he's he had a really nice play uh, on the left side. He, he's a good little winger. Um, and Zach Larue didn't stand out to me for any particular reason. I just he's you kind of are waiting for him to like have that moment where he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is the guy that we were expecting. Haven't seen that yet, but um, and then. Igor Afanasyev did not play in the prospect showcase, but he was on hand to translate Askarov's questions if necessary, which they were not necessary. We didn't get him in the postgame. But... Um, so anyways, the, the prospect game, if you've never been, you missed out. It was a good one. Um, and uh, that's the last hockey that we'll see in this town until training camp. So late September. Yeah, right? it's going to be a while. That's right. But... So there you go. Uh, development camp. Hoyle maybe working on a trade. Is he going to spin to the cap? We don't know. And then the underwhelming and slightly confusing signings that they made over the last week. So anything maybe, else? Maybe we'll have some clarity by next week, you know? Perhaps. Maybe we can have another another show about, oh, well, it makes sense now why they did all that. Because they went and traded for insert player here. Right. That that guy sounds good. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much for listening to the show. You can check out all of our hockey coverage at a to z sports.com. Please also go to on the fortech.com as well. And uh, follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. Follow Sean on Twitter at SCSOTF. And we will see everyone next week. Thank you.